This episode deals with a crime committed against a child. Please exercise self-care when choosing to listen. Two middle-aged men carrying backpacks made their way through the forested terrain of Mount Wayong, near the city of Daegu, South Korea. It was the end of September 2002, and the pair were on the wooded slopes foraging for acorns, which are commonly used to make a homemade traditional jam. As they picked their way through the branches, all they could hear were the leaves crunching beneath their feet, as the humid climate caused sweat to drip into their eyes. The men suddenly stopped short in their tracks, as something a little way ahead caught their eye. They moved forward apprehensively, hardly believing what they had stumbled upon. There in front of them, in a small dirt hole, lay several small bones, which even with a limited knowledge of anatomy, they could identify as human remains. It was obvious by the number of bones that more than one person had met their death there. Amongst the bones were tattered and ripped clothes that were unmistakably those of children. The men fled the scene and reported what they had discovered to the authorities. They didn't know it at the time, but they had solved a mystery which had begun over a decade before and had started a new and equally puzzling chapter in the story of the Frog Boys. March 26, 1991, was a designated local election day in South Korea, and most of the schools in the country were closed. It was the first round of local elections in 30 years, and much public attention and press coverage was given over to this historic event, a situation that may have had a significant bearing on this story. This presented the normally hard-working children of South Korea with a fantastic opportunity to have some fun and take advantage of this bonus holiday. One group of six boys from Songso Elementary School in the western outskirts of Daegu, a city situated in the southeast of the country, decided to spend the day together and made arrangements to meet up. The boys were Yu Chol Won, age 13, Jo Ho Yon, 12, Kim Yong Ju, 11, Pak Jong-in, 10, and Kim Jong-ji, 9. There was also a sixth boy, Tyrong Kim, whose age I have not been able to clarify, though it was between 9 and 13 years of age. The boys were neighbours and lived in a group of houses that formed a circle, with a rice paddy at the centre, which the friends used as their playground. The group of six were close, with one of the boy's parents describing their relationship like that of brothers. A few of the boys had no siblings, which made the group bond even more significant. The children had close relationships with their parents. Wu Chol Won's father, Wu Jong, speaks movingly in a documentary on ChannelAsianNews.com about his son. 
describing him as bright and cheerful, with a wonderful personality. Chenin's father, Pak, is equally emotional when speaking of his only child. He says his son never gave them any trouble and had an incredibly honest character. This was a close-knit group of families, with loving and supportive relationships between the generations. The boys' adventure started early that morning, when they gathered to play near where they lived. After a short time, one of the boys, Tyrong Kim, left the group and returned home for some breakfast. The boys were playing very enthusiastically, and neighbours complained that they were being too loud, so they decided to head up to the mountain to play there instead, where they would be unlikely to disturb anyone. The mountain in question is called Wayang, and is around 800 metres high. For comparison, that's a similar height to the mountains found in the Brecon Beacons National Park in South Wales. Wayang is said to resemble a dragon lying on its back, from where the meaning of its name derives. The mountain is not as tall or impressive as others in the vicinity, such as Apsan or Pao Gong, but this made it accessible and there are many tracks crisscrossing its wooded slopes in all directions. On the eastern slope, facing Song So, the area where the boys lived, are a large number of ancient ancestral burial grounds that have been there for centuries. The mountain was not far from the boys' homes, only a couple of kilometres from where they lived, and wasn't particularly remote, but it had its own dangers. It is relatively easy to lose one's bearings if you venture off one of the many paths, and there are some steep drops in places. In 1991, there was an army base on one side of the mountain, a pond on the other, with a military shooting range just a little higher above the pond. The shooting range was clearly marked and it was election day and a public holiday. No shooting was due to take place that day. The friends have been given the collective moniker of the Frog Boys, but the gang actually went up the mountain to search for salamander eggs. Looking for reptiles or amphibians is a popular spring activity for children across the world. It seems Frog Boys was a tagline created by the media as it was more soundbite friendly than Salamander Boys. At 9am, Yu Chol Wan went back to his house to collect a warmer coat. His father asked him where he was going, but the boy just said out to play and gave no details. As the boys were about to depart on their adventure, their friend Tyrone Kim returned from breakfast. When he heard the plan for the rest of the morning, he felt uneasy and he knew his parents would not allow him to go. The boy was torn between going with his friends and respecting the wishes of his parents. In the end, he decided to stay behind and waved goodbye to the group of five as they disappeared into the distance. They carried very little with them except some cans to collect the salamander eggs and branches cut from trees as improvised walking sticks. Many local residents witnessed the boys walking down the road as they were still talking in loud excited voices that drew attention in the otherwise quiet neighbourhood. After they left the houses behind, they took a track behind Songsan High School and wandered into the woods, following the moderate slope up the mountain. The five were never seen alive again, and their fate would remain unknown for another 11 years.
The first sign that something might be wrong came at 1pm when Yu Chol Wan's taekwondo teacher phoned his parents to say that he hadn't turned up for his lesson. This was not like their son, and after inquiries with neighbours, they quickly realised that all five boys were missing. The parents of the boys began to go into the streets and make inquiries. One man said he had spoken to the boys and reported that they were going to the mountain to hunt for salamander eggs. The day went on and the boys did not reappear. By sunset their parents were really concerned and they began searching the surrounding countryside. There was a farm on the lower slopes of the mountain which kept guard dogs and some of the parents worried that the boys had accidentally trespassed and been attacked by the ferocious animals. The parents contacted the police with their concern but despite their protestations the police were content that no harm had come to the children and they would turn up. The parents were told to return to their homes to wait. The feeling amongst law enforcement was that the boys were probably messing around and had run away deliberately. Local newspaper and TV journalists were aware of the boys' disappearance on the first evening but gave the story very little thought. They were focusing all their attention on the winners and losers in the elections. They figured the boys would just start causing mischief and would come home when they were bored. Conversely, the parents became increasingly agitated as the evening went on and began turning on each other in anger and frustration. In a situation where a person feels helpless, it's very easy to look for explanations and single out others for blame. These were desperate, tired people who, having been ignored by the police, were at their wit's end. There was talk amongst the families that the boys may have gotten lost and that by nightfall the town would be quite clearly illuminated for kilometres around and they would be able to find their way home. Unfortunately, this did not happen and by dawn there was still no sign of the five boys. Slowly but surely, over the next 48 hours, news began to spread of the disappearance and the story began to be featured on regional television news. It was at this stage that the myth about the boys attempting to climb the mountain in order to catch frogs started. Soon national news features were circulating this part of the story as fact and the term frog boys will now be forever associated with them. The story was garnering much sympathy from the South Korean people. Multiple children disappearing at once is a very rare occurrence and the photographs of the boys' faces plastered in the media brought many to tears. Four days after the vanishing, a phone call was made by a man claiming that he had the boys. The man demanded a ransom in exchange for returning the boys alive. A meet was set up and the parents and police went to the agreed place for the handover of the children. They waited for hours but no one showed up. It had been a cruel trick. A little over a month after the disappearance, a special television programme was aired in which the parents presented a united front, criticising the police and their handling of the case. In particular, they were very scathing of a leaflet that had been produced, which referred to their children as runaways. They felt the police were trying to sweep it all under the carpet by blaming the boys for their own disappearance. Their hope was that the resulting media coverage from the television show would drum up public support and put pressure on the police and government authorities. The TV appearance did seem to spark a new urgency, 
and within days a phone call was received which purportedly came from one of the boys. The boy was said to have been Zhang Ji. He was crying and asking for his mother before the call abruptly ended. His voice was identified by his mother. The parents were now optimistic that the boys were still alive and that they would soon be reunited. No sooner had their hopes been raised than they were dashed again. Just like the first phone call, it turned out to be a sick joke. Over the next year, the mountain was searched repeatedly. The South Korean president at the time, Roh Tae-woo, got involved and pledged resources and support. Officially, 300,000 people are said to have been involved in the combing of the wooded slopes, and a reward fund was established by Korean companies that was added to by individuals and charities. It totaled 42 million won, the equivalent of $35,000 in 1991. The parents continued to be critical of police efforts. Forensic searches were carried out far too late, and if any evidence had existed, it was now long gone. The parents felt the police were simply going through the motions. This feeling of frustration led several of the fathers to give up their jobs to focus all their time on the search for the children. They hired a lorry which they covered with the faces of their boys, and travelled the country, hoping to find a lead. Their quest took a heavy toll on them, the search was exhausting, and they struggled with health and sleep problems, caused by the constant stress. In their agony they turned to alcohol and sleeping tablets to try and numb the pain, whilst at the same time attempting to keep it all together for the weekly round of press interviews. They lived like this for three years, until financial pressures meant they had to return to their careers and jobs. All along, the pressure of the search was made worse by the knowledge that South Korean intelligence agencies were keeping close tabs on their movements and actions. Several times the homes of relatives were visited by agents, asking questions about the fathers of the boys. The authorities claim they were simply trying to look out for the parents and families of the missing boys. But Na Jubong, who works for the National Organization of Finding Missing Children and Family, doubts this was the case. It seems there was some amongst the government authorities that suspected the involvement of one or more of the fathers. The parents themselves wanted the authorities to focus their investigation on the army base on the mountain and were dismayed at the total lack of interest shown by police. The families of the boys are sure of military involvement based on an ear witness report from the day the boys vanished. A school friend of one of the boys said he heard a gunshot, followed by a scream and then silence. The unnamed boy has always stuck to his story, but police didn't seem to take the account seriously, and it has become part of the folklore of this tragic tale. The story of the Frog Boys was permeating the national consciousness, and their pictures were featured everywhere, including on cigarette packets. Popular songs were written about them, and in November 1992, a feature-length movie entitled Come Home Frog Boys was released. The plot of the family drama does not infer anything sinister happened to the boys, instead portraying them as children who had left their homes in search of excitement and adventure. The authorities hoped the film would garner publicity and encourage the five friends to return home. 
Needless to say, the film did not have the required effect, and the boys did not make themselves known. Just as the families were beginning to try and get on with their lives, an allegation was made against one of the fathers. In 1996, Kim Gao Won, a criminal psychologist who had studied the case closely, including the press and TV interviews given by the families, came out with an accusation against one of the parents. He suspected that something was amiss, and claimed that all the children had been murdered and buried beneath Kim Jong-shi's house, and his father, Kim Chol-yu, was responsible. One of the main reasons for coming to this conclusion was the fact that Kim Jong-ju had always been vague about the morning the boys disappeared, and did not have an alibi for the three hours between 9am and 12pm. Criminal psychology was still a relatively new concept in South Korea, and the confidence with which Kim Ga-won expressed his ideas convinced the police that he was onto something. The families thought it was a preposterous idea, but nevertheless police went through the house searching for evidence. The search team found a pair of children's shoes in a toilet at the back of the house, which they deemed to be suspicious. On the basis of this find, the police started excavating beneath the house, and the whole event was shown on television. Zhang Ji's father was watching all this unfold in his house, heartbroken and visibly distraught. Members of the public began to think for the first time that Kim Jong Ju could be responsible. The search team found nothing, and Chok Ju had been put through such public humiliation and emotional hurt on a whim, without any real evidence. Unfortunately, he never really got over this accusation and died a few years later from cancer, a broken man, never knowing what had happened to his son. During the 1990s, lots of theories and conspiracies floated around as to what the fate of the Frog Boys had been. Alien abductions, captured by the North Korean military, or held by South Korean scientists for experiments, specifically to find a cure for Hansen's disease, better known as leprosy, other popular theories were that the boys had been sold into slavery abroad, taken by a mentally ill person, or killed by hunters. No evidence existed for any of these theories. The Frog Boys was a genuine mystery that was becoming the stuff of myth and legend throughout the world, aided by an increasing online interest in the case. On September 26, 2002, the offices of a national newspaper received an anonymous phone call saying the boys' remains were buried on the Waiyong mountainside amongst trees not far from their home. 24 hours later, and over a decade after the boys' disappearance, their remains were found on the slopes of Mount Waiyong, only a couple of kilometres from their homes. The location was just 500 metres away from the construction site of a new high school close to the scene with the remnants of a campfire, though this last fact is something you hear very little about. It is often stated that the men who found the remains have remained anonymous, adding more mystery to the legend of the Frog Boys. However, this is not the case. One of the individuals, 55-year-old Chai Huan Tai, gave a brief interview with the newspaper Junggang Daily in January 2003 about his experience. The connection between the phone call 
and the finding of the remains is still a mystery. The parents were contacted and told to come directly to the scene on the mountainside. Bak Janin's father, Bak John Sol, was actually in prison at the time for assaulting a police officer and was granted special dispensation to attend the scene. The confused and shocked parents were asked to identify the bodies, which was obviously a near impossible task from just the bones. Clothing found at the scene was confirmed as belonging to the missing children, and the dental braces of one of the boys was also identified and eventually confirmed as belonging to Cho Ho Yon. DNA samples were taken from the parents and they were used to officially identify the children. For the parents, it was a horrendous day, and feelings of guilt enveloped them all. How could they have been so close all this time? The scene itself was not handled in the correct manner, and by the time forensic scientist Cho Jong Min arrived, much of the evidence had been disturbed. The police had been digging with scant regard for forensic protocol, with bones being ordered according to size rather than to separate bodies. Lots of people had contaminated the area and vital clues may have been lost. The parents were justly annoyed at the way their children's remains were being handled and their bodies being broken up literally before their eyes. Three points of interest were apparent within hours. The first was that the boys' bodies were extremely close together. It also looked like the boys were naked and had taken their clothes off before death though it's hard to know if over time the clothes had fallen away due to erosion. Some of the clothes were found inside out, or had been tied together. One boy had his trousers around his shoulders with the legs tied together, and two bullets were found when the trousers were removed. The bullets were later confirmed to have come from the military firing range. Apparently, three bullets were found in total, one five centimetre long unspent shell, and two one-centimetre empty shells. Even a cursory study of the crime scene would bring most people to conclude that further investigation regarding cause of death was needed. This fact makes the statement from the police only 24 hours later all the more perplexing. They reported that the boys had most likely died from hypothermia. They said the boys were found huddled together as if they had been trying to shelter one another from the elements and that although temperatures were relatively mild when the boys disappeared, the combined wind chill factor, coupled with early morning rain, would be enough to cause death in young children who were not suitably clothed to spend a night on the mountain. They concluded that the boys literally froze to death. The family, journalists and many scientists found this difficult to believe. A spokesperson for the Korea Alpine Federation who specialise in emergency and survival situations in the outdoors, said the boys were found at barely 100 metres above sea level. They were only a five-minute run from their homes. As an aside, it was reported when the boys were first found that the location was 400 metres above sea level. Either way, it makes little sense that they would sit and die rather than head home if it was raining. The forensic lead on the case, Che Jong Min, was also in no doubt that this was an act of foul play. He said it was quite obvious that the remains had been buried in the small hole. Moss found growing in the skulls of two of the boys was proof of this. Gradually, over the ensuing decade, the soil had eroded naturally, 
to expose the remains. If the children had died of hypothermia, wild animals would have come and dispersed the bones. This was not a case of death by natural causes. Whilst the bullets found at the scene were confirmed as coming from the firing range, the South Korean army were adamant that no firing practice occurred on the day the boys vanished and denied any involvement. Official military records back up this claim, but individual commissioned officers were permitted to use the firing range even when it wasn't officially in use. A rumour has circulated that an officer from the nearby military base went to the range that day to expend some unused ammunition. The name of the officer has never been mentioned and it is unknown whether the incident is fact or myth. One thing that is without doubt is the evidence found by the forensic examiner Cho Jong-min. Some of the bones had been contaminated by the heavy-handed police officers first on the scene, but Jong-min and his team were to dig other bones out of the dirt that had not been disturbed, including some of the children's skulls. Clear wounds and cracks were found on the skulls of Yu Chol Won, Kim Jong Ji, and Kim Yong Ju, indicating the boys had been bludgeoned with a weapon judged to be made from metal. Two of the boys, Yu Chol Won and Kim Jong Ji, had experienced significant internal cranial bleeding. This pointed to murder. There was no other explanation. It was reported that one of the boys, Yu Chol Won, had been shot in the head twice. It was noted that the ammunition used to cause these wounds was smaller than that used by the military. One of the boys, Kim Jong-ji, also had a broken arm, which possibly indicated a defensive wound. Very few teeth and no hair were found at the scene, which led to speculation that the pits where the remains were found was a secondary location and the bodies had been moved there. Police faced with the evidence concerning the head injuries were forced to re-evaluate their first impression, and now said it looked like the children had been killed by someone who had flown into a rage. The press had a field day with this statement, claiming the crime had been committed by a deranged psychopath. There doesn't seem to be much evidence given by the police or the press to back this theory up. Once again, the line between reality and myth in the story of the Frog Boys was blurred. If this was the work of a psychopath, the person struck just this once, as no crime remotely similar has ever happened again. At this time, the police also put forward the shocking idea that the boys may have been killed by other children of a similar age. It is unclear what evidence led them to conclude that bullies could be responsible for the deaths. A couple of years after the bones were discovered, and the forensic testing had been completed, the remains were released and the parents could finally lay their children's souls to rest. The parents said an emotional farewell to their children in a moving ceremony at the river Nagdon. There the boys' ashes were released into the moving water where they would eventually find their way to the ocean. They would be able to venture together in the high seas forever. While the funeral provided some closure, it did nothing to stop the parents' fight for justice. They attempted to sue the police for failing to properly investigate the disappearance and death of their children. Over the years they have attempted this three times, but have failed on every occasion, 
and have been dissatisfied with the findings of the judge. The police on their part say they have gone back to the original 1991 investigation and have exhausted upwards of 500 leads, but can find no evidence that sheds light on what happened. They also point out that a lot of staff hours were given to the original investigation. Around 20,000 officers were said to have worked the case at one point, although this had been reduced to only 10 individual officers a decade later. The parents would like to see the government intervene, and set up a new team to reinvestigate the case. As of yet, this has not taken place. Ang Ji Wan, who is a lawyer acting on behalf of the bereaved parents, says he is sure that there was a cover-up instigated in March 1991 that has continued to this day. The most likely cause of events is that one or more of the boys was shot accidentally, and then the incident was covered up by the cold-blooded murder of the other boys. In 1991, the South Korean military still had very close ties to President Ro Tai-woo. His regime relied on military support. Order and stability were utmost, and those in power could not be seen to fail or make mistakes. Anything that could break this facade had to be suppressed. Many questions still remain about the case, not least the phone call that was received in 2002, the day before the remains were found. The police have said they attempted to investigate a link between the call and the discovery, but nothing has ever been released about it. Was it really just a coincidence? One of the strangest facts about the mystery is that the children's remains were never found before. The mountain was searched by hundreds of thousands of people, and yet no one came upon the shallow grave the boys were in. Surely the newly disturbed earth should have been noticed by one of the search teams. Was this due to incompetence? I can find very little information about the remains of the campfire that was found near the location of the remains. I believe testing was carried out on the charcoal found there, but I do not know if anything useful was ever discovered from this. The story of the Frog Boys captures my attention as I was 12 in 1991, and it's so terribly sad to know of their fate. They have missed out on so much. In South Korea, the statute of limitations for murder was just 15 years, so in 2006, it looked like any hope of justice for the boys had gone. Thankfully, the limitation was removed by the National Assembly in 2015, in part due to the pressure put on judicial authorities by the parents and other campaigners on behalf of the five boys. The change in law means that the authorities are now able to pursue any potential prosecution, giving some light at the end of this dark tunnel. <laughs>